genre. Hello and welcome back to The Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who, The Long Way Round, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Cass Fredrickson. Today on the show, we'll be discussing Arc of Infinity, the fifth doctor's eighth story. Mm-hmm. So Arc of Infinity, which is... um. The first episode of season 20, uh, which aired in 1983. This season was all about kind of uh, celebrating the 20th anniversary of the show, Um, all leading to the five doctors, which would have aired at the end of the year. Season 20 aired nine months after the end of uh season 19 which was time flight so this is uh, this is um nine months later uh, wow. is when this is airing that's a long um, time yeah yeah quite a long time even uh, weirder this oh. is the yeah uh, this is like right at the start of uh 1983 january 3rd is when this aired um they were back into a twice a week format uh previously mondays and tuesdays this season, they would be Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So each um, four-part story would only take two weeks to uh, be released. Um, two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Wow. Um, so this is written by Johnny Byrne, who previously wrote The Keeper of Trocken. However... Something that Eric Sayward, current script editor, didn't know about Johnny Byrne is that The Keeper of Track in a story that Eric Sayward liked a lot was that it was actually heavily rewritten by his predecessor, Christopher Bidmead, the the script editor at the time. Um, He was under the impression that Johnny Byrne wrote a really great Doctor Who serial um, when, in fact, uh, the serial that he liked so much was rewritten heavily by the script editor. Um, but uh, not knowing this, he uh, ignorantly hired Johnny Byrne to write another story for this season. He was, however, um, there were like a few requirements that he would have to hit because they were envisioning this to be um, the season premiere of season 20. They were right. Uh, it ends up being that. But uh, as a result, he had to write a few things into his story prior to pitching the um, concept. So... First, John Nathan Turner wanted to take Doctor Who overseas for the second time in its history. Uh, Back in 1979, City of Death had been filmed on location in Paris, and they hadn't done anything like that since. Uh, John Nathan Turner felt that Amsterdam would be um, as affordable as as Paris was at the time, which was extremely affordable to shoot in um, as a location for a European production. And since BBC was already already had a, a, a relationship with Amsterdam because of their soap opera Triangle, which took place in Amsterdam and shot in Amsterdam, 
they decided to um, use this uh, use Amsterdam as the uh, locale. So uh, he was told um, Johnny Byrne was told that he would have to include Amsterdam. However, uh, in order to justify the trip to the BBC, um, Byrne uh, would have to make Amsterdam a key aspect of the storyline that he was writing. He couldn't just be a location for the sake of being a location and needed to be um, part of the plot. He also had to uh, bring Tegan back into the fold, the cliffhanger of time flight at the end of, of uh, season 19 was that Tegan was going to go back with the doctor and was left behind by accident. Um, and apparently that was supposed to be a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, I don't know why it was a cliffhanger. It never read like a cliffhanger to me. It always just felt like, Oh, they're writing her out of the show. Um, but apparently that was never the case. They just wanted a cliffhanger because they knew that season 19 between season 19 and season 20, there would be a nine-month gap, which, as we discussed, was kind of a long time for Classic Who. Um, and so they were scared that people would just not tune in when it came back. But obviously, everyone is going to want to know what happened to Tegan. So um, that's <laughs> that's why they did that. Um, I don't know that it necessarily worked, but that was the case. So he had to uh, reintroduce Tegan into his storyline as well. Because um, this episode opens with, the doctor's like doing chores. He's doing spring cleaning. Right, right. Well, we'll get there. But he's not like, oh, crap. You know, Catherine O'Hara close up. Tegan. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I think he left her on purpose because he wasn't aware that she wanted to come back because all she ever did was complain about staying behind. Right. Like, I want to go back to Australia. I want to go back to my job. And then it was at the end of the episode, if I remember correctly, Tegan was like, oh, I I realize i don't want to stay i want to keep traveling with the doctor but it was too late and they had left they bailed yeah um i don't remember a lot of time crash it was the super racist one with the master in yellow face yes yes (laughs) is that uh (laughs) is that where they go to heathrow yep okay (laughs) you betcha it's all coming back to me so burn decided that he was so he was he had already been toying with an idea for a story that wasn't a Doctor Who story necessarily. Um, but he was he was uh thinking about writing up a story just on his own, uh like an original story about aliens using a bridge between dimensions that he was calling the Ark of Infinity to cause time shifts in London. And he was like, What if we took that concept, relocated it to Amsterdam? Uh Tegan could be on holiday there. Uh, which is how she stumbles. She stumbles on all of this, um, and uh, that could be the storyline. And Sayward Light was like, "All right, fine, sure." So Byrne submits a storyline, and uh, uh, much like uh, the alternate storyline of um, the previous episode that we discussed, I'm going to read what his original storyline was. Okay. So, okay, the time of Neiman. So. The Doctor is suffering nightmares about his regeneration, which was actually a precursor to the rival in our universe of an entity called the Avatar, who takes on the Doctor's form and goes to Amsterdam, uh, <laughs> operating there as, uh, as Naman, or, or Neiman, uh, a name recycled from the Keeper of Traken. The Avatar begins to take control of human minds, striving to create a form in which it will be able to predominantly maintain its uh, or permanently maintain its existence. The Doctor and Nyssa discover Neiman's plot when they land in a future version of Amsterdam, which is populated by robot guards called Sweepers, 
the elderly resistors and barbaric anarchs. Realizing that history has been altered, they travel back in time to present-day Amsterdam. There, the Doctor discovers that Time Lord regeneration is the mechanism by which the Avatar is made manifest. The Avatar is defeated when the Doctor relives his most recent regeneration. So, Nathan Turner and Sayward read this, and they were like, "Mm, No, Uh, (laughs) this is not good. Uh, And all, like, this is confusing and... Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a lot. It, there's a lot here. And, uh, uh, they also did not, they also felt that Amsterdam was incidental to the plot rather than part of the plot, which is what they had wanted because that was the only way the BBC was going to approve going to Amsterdam. So all of this was changed. Um, and they decided like, Hey, uh, let's, take out the regeneration stuff let's take out the nightmare stuff let's add omega um instead of the avatar and um try again so uh so he writes a story called the time of omega um and as his scripts are coming in eric sayward is reading them and is uh suddenly realizing that johnny byrne was not the writer that he thought that he was uh and has to um, inevitably heavily rewrite this story to become the Ark of Infinity that we um, end up with. Uh, the Time Lords weren't even involved in Burns' script. That was all added in Eric Sayward's rewrite. So, wow. Yeah. So all of that stuff was changed. This is pretty much um, an Eric Sayward page one in a similar fashion to uh, the Pyramids of Mars being like kind of a page one. I was going to say two in a row. Yeah, yeah, two in a row. Um, so uh, all of that uh, happened. And, um, and then a couple of other notables about this story. Uh, number one, we have in the role of uh, uh, one of the Time Lords, um, we have uh, uh, Michael Alfred Go. himself, Michael Go. Yep. Yeah. His second time in Classic Who, uh, his first being in the Celestial Toy Maker. Um, and then uh, again here, uh, you know, uh, Alfred from the Batman movies, um, from the Tim Burton ones. So he's in this. Um, and also uh, a, a very pompous character um, named uh, Maxwell, played by none other than the sixth doctor, Colin Baker, uh, which apparently Eric Sayward, well, not Eric Sayward, but John Nathan Turner liked Colin Baker so much in this, he started inviting him to parties and things. And then as a result of him befriending him outside the show um, is how Colin Baker uh, eventually became the doctor. He almost turned the role down because he was afraid that by taking this role, he wouldn't be able to play the doctor. And then somebody pointed out how pompous that was um, that like, you're, you're, you're probably never going to play the doctor. That's stupid. You're being offered a role on doctor who you like doctor who you should play the role. Because the odds of you becoming the doctor are so small. And he's like, oh, you're right. Of course. So he took the role <laughs> um, thinking, well, that's it. This is my this is my run on Doctor Who. And then uh, eventually became the doctor um, immediately following. And yet, if he had not taken the role, he wouldn't have met Eric Sayward. John Nathan Turner. John Eric Nathan- Sayward hated him. Oh, okay. um, he, John Nathan Turner. Though. He wouldn't have met John Nathan Turner. John Nathan Turner wouldn't have been like, this dude can party. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. It's, fun, it's a funny old thing time. Yeah, yeah. Um so let's see. So all of that happened. Uh a couple of other things. 
Um, let's see. There's one notable notable bit about um <laughs> about John Nathan Turner on location in Amsterdam um was uh consistently in like the cha- the, the the scenes where the cast, especially the main cast, are sort of like running around after Omega in um part four. Uh, he had to stand just off camera most of the time to keep people from walking into the into the you know Frame. into the shoot Shot. um Whatever. because uh Amsterdam couldn't care less about Doctor Who um and so like you know they didn't really recognize anything though they were interested in like a shoot happening but they didn't know what it was and they kept getting in the way so he had to constantly keep people out of the frame and he is actually um in the last scene of the episode uh he is seen on camera in the background keeping extras away um in the last scene between uh Tegan Nissa and the doctor as Tegan reveals that she's going to be traveling with them once again um <laughs> you can see him in the background just sort of like pacing back and forth keeping his eye on extras versus uh looky loos that's funny um and his uh white jeans um his trademark white jeans um <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so there's that. And then, uh, last of all, at a certain point in the story, uh, they apparently accidentally found themselves in the red light district of Amsterdam, where, uh, multiple times, uh, the actress who plays Tegan was, uh, mistaken for a sex worker. And I, I can't imagine that it doesn't have anything to do with what they made her wear in this. Yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, that's Arc of Infinity. Uh, it, it begins a, a season of um, returning villains this season. But all of the returning villains or returning characters, um, most of them anyway, tend to be not long-running characters like villains. They all tend to be like fairly recent ones or ones that just popped up once before. Um, and Omega is uh, one of those villains uh, previously uh, being in the show in The Three Doctors, mm-hmm. the very first anniversary special um so uh yeah he hasn't been around since the third doctor's era but he's back omega <laughs> and he's he's pissed he is he is <laughs> and you know rightfully so sure look at him look look at look at what they did to him look what they made me do <laughs> arc of infinity part one written by johnny Byrne, directed by ron jones produced by john nathan turner Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, January 3rd, 1983. On a planet called Gallifrey, an unknown Time Lord steals biodata extract from the Time Lord Matrix, housing information and even memories from every Time Lord who ever existed. The unknown Time Lord delivers this extract to a projection of a creature in another universe, trapped behind a curve between dimensions known as the Arc of Infinity. The creature hopes this stolen biodata of a Time Lord called the Doctor will allow it to breach the Ark of Infinity and cross over into our universe. Back on the TARDIS, the Doctor and Nyssa are in the middle of some much-needed TARDIS maintenance when the Doctor is nearly possessed by a mysterious antimatter creature. The Doctor knows something like this is only possible with the use of his biodata, so he travels with Nyssa to Gallifrey to get to the bottom of things. On a planet called Amsterdam, two empty-headed 20-somethings, aimless and in love, decide to spend the night in an ancient crypt beneath the city because they paid for three nights at a hostel instead of four. One of the youths, Colin, sees a mysterious creature inside of a crypt and is zapped by a teleportation ray. His friend Robin wanders Amsterdam looking for him. 
back in his hometown, the doctor has a confrontation with a chancellery guard named Maxel, who shoots the doctor with a laser gun. We open up on the planet Gallifrey, where some not time lords, right? They're at like a mission control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time, time, time. Uh, all all time lords are Gallifrey, and not all Gallifreyans are time lords. Shabogans, Cass. What are non? Is that what they're called? Shabogans. I have no idea. Okay, and 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 timeless children. The master's like, oh yes, the Shabogans turned into time lords. They evolved out of some. Like, okay, then. <laughs> I don't. Anyway. This. <laughs> um. So yeah, there's like an antimatter creature that's like trying to get into our universe. Mm-hmm. He's like he's trying to reverse his polarity. He's trying to reverse his polarity of his neutron flow. Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed this time is like when they show the Time Lords all like, you know, talking about, you know, things. Um, the threat. The yeah, coming threat. The threat, the looming threat um, with their giant collars and stuff. This yeah. is the first time I've ever I've ever made the connection of how much they look like the future people in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Specifically that first one. Mm-hmm. They they have very Time Lord vibes, right. which I've never really connected before. I just was like, oh, yeah, future people, whatever. But yeah, there was a really groovy moment early on where the first thing you see is the silhouette of their like Talon like shoulder armor mm-hmm. dress. And it was really cool because like I knew that was a Time Lord mm-hmm. from like its shadow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Shout out to, I guess, Russell T. Davies for when he reintroduced the Time Lords and End of Time going full on unabashed. Like they're wearing the robes with the pointy ends and stuff. Yeah. I I almost think that the, 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 is there in the classic era, Cass, is there a better representation of the Time Lord outfits than in this story? Because these kind of rule, they're like pretty intricate. I don't remember what the ones in Deadly Assassin look like, but mm-hmm. those are like, I don't know. Those are probably up there with these. Yeah. These are really good, though. Mm-hmm. They do look really good. They're they're intricate. They they look like, uh, you know, like they're made by like 1980s Weta or something. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, very, they're very intricate. There's a lot of details in them, which is cool. Mm-hmm. The actors look non-embarrassing, you know? Yeah. Like Michael Goh looks like pretty metal. Yeah, he does. Is this like ancient time lord? Right. So back on the TARDIS, that uh, the Doctor and Nissa are. It's really cool. Like the Doctor's just doing spring cleaning. He's just doing chores. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, you know, if you put it off, suddenly it's like a hundred years later. And <laughs> Scott and I were, we were like, I like the idea of him being like that. That's him. He's like the Doctor. That's like you know, I've been putting this off for like four regenerations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just got this is the this is this is the incarnation where he just gets a lot of things done around the house. <laughs> I've been meaning to like retile the floor. I've been meaning to like <laughs> the pool needs to be resurfaced. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny that Nissa is just like, well, if it was so easy, why did you put it off so much? And the doctor's just like, eh, you know, whatever. And then he just like walks away. And then she's like, but there's a bunch of other stuff you could be doing. And he's just like, yeah, that's enough for today. No, I'm good. <laughs> I did it. That's six doctor's problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you clean the house once. Mm hmm. Uh, and yeah, but then he gets like Pazicky, this creature. I don't know. I don't know why I'm not spoiling it for the listeners, but you know, like Omega's like trying to possess the doctor mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, yeah. and like, <laughs> so he's crossing the universe. He's crossing universes to possess the doctor. He looks like, like a bug themed Power Ranger. Yeah. 
especially <laughs> in the early episodes where we're just getting like holographic mm-hmm. projection of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looks sure. like a Power Ranger deity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> deity. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to talk about the backpackers who are. I mean, based on that first ep- this first episode before Tegan comes in, because Tegan doesn't show up until the second episode. Um, but before before he gets taken away, uh, Colin, um, these two, their names are Colin and what's the other guy's name? Apparently, his name is Robin, Ro- but Robin. I don't remember him saying it. Yeah, I don't think he ever says his name. Yeah, he just says um, Colin a lot. So, so Colin and Robin. Um, Definitely a couple. I mean, right? Like <laughs> this is they, they they are they are very they are they are very romantically chummy. I think they hooked um, up once and then like yeah. Colin kind of regrets it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't but, want to talk about but it. But now they're like stuck traveling together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it happened like the first day of the trip right? and Rod Colin was like, ah crap. What happens no, in Amsterdam stays in Amsterdam. <laughs> Should have done this at the at the end of the trip. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, before before it all gets connected and you realize like whose cousin, you know, Colin is Colin. It sounded like Colin the whole episode. I'm sorry, listeners. Um so I remember it as Colin. But yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought the script was pulling what we were talking about last episode about how they'll just you'll you'll have to watch someone like stumble into their own death. Oh yeah. For like <laughs> half an episode. Yeah. That's that's not that doesn't tend to be Eric Sayward's move though. That he tends to be like we're gonna watch. They're gonna be a major part of the plot. You're gonna really like them, and then I'm gonna you're gonna watch them as their skin melts off. Yeah, um, that's more Sayward's move. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then like they, they they sleep underground. They can't afford a hotel or in a, in a crypt in a crypt. Yeah, ne- yeah, yeah, like fully next to like a medieval Last Crusade crypt. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, these guys. I don't know. I and yet, you know, as we find out, he has. Uh, they have reservations at a um hostel, but for some reason, they only booked it for three days, and they're gonna be there for four, and so they have to like. I mean, sneak into a a, a, <laughs> a crypt and sleep in a crypt for a night before their their hostel reservations. I mean, that's just what day. your early twenties is like. You know? I guess so, man. <laughs> Well, we can only afford three nights. <laughs> uh, yeah, Damn. and then uh, Colin get Colin gets zapped. Right, he gets yeah. disappeared. Yeah, he gets disappeared. Um, Colin Baker is playing this guy who is head of like the security council of Gallifrey of the Time Lords, and so he looks like a um... yeah. Cass, what did you think of his costume? Oh my god, it um. It's kind of like generic, um, I don't know, like space guard, but I really like his yeah. like feather, his like yeah. two foot long purple feather that sticks out of his, his helmet. His two foot long bisexual flag feather. Yeah. <laughs> I thought when he put it on, he looked, I told, he looked like a Dr. Seuss bird. Yeah. He really does. He does. He's like talking to the Lorax or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's, you know, he's still, he's totally Colin Baker. He's like pompous. He's like mm-hmm. a little prissy. He's mm-hmm. just like a great, he's, it's great when he's a villain. Yeah. Or, a, you know, like an antagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I am excited to cover him as the doctor in the next 
story that we're covering. Um, he's really good in 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 that oh, stuff. Cool. Um, yes. I think they they sort of like reinvent him a little bit mm-hmm. um, and and give him a little bit of a, a more doctory personality, and it's a lot better. Oh, cool. Um, so I am looking forward to because uh, like we're already halfway there, right? We're already almost done with that 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 Doctor's era. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in its li- we're in his last season already. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, the Doctor gets like called to Gallifrey because mm-hmm. they see Omega's. You know, they don't know it's Omega yet, but they see his. I'm talking like Kevin Smith now. They see his that this like attempting to to possess his body as like the doctor's doing mm-hmm. like his fault. So the doctor goes to like prove his innocence, but the doctor's like, well, no, the only way he would even know how to hack my body is by having my like data and to go to the data, to have my data, you have to go to the TARDIS like matrix, which I all, I, I, I remember from timeless children. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, the time Lord matrix. But yeah, he, uh, he's on Gallifrey and they recognize that he's on Gallifrey. And so they, send the guards out to him and uh he finally runs into colin baker and uh he's like hello i'm the doctor and colin baker just shoots him in the face <laughs> that's great yeah it's up there with capaldi in the pompeii episode like really being in the tardis true <laughs> very true arc of infinity part two written by johnny byrne directed by ron jones Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, January 5th, 1983. The stunned doctor is brought back to the Time Lord High Council. The council has issued a warrant of termination for the doctor to ensure the creature won't be able to cross dimensions by taking possession of the doctor's body. In the me of time, a Citadel technician named Damon provides the council with evidence that the doctor's biodata was indeed stolen. Back in Amsterdam, Robin meets Colin's cousin, who's none other than friend of the show, Tegan. The two head back to the crypt where the boys spent the night together to look for clues to Colin's disappearance. Back on Gallifrey, the council carries out the warrant of termination, and the doctor is executed. Dead. Forever. Yeah, they, uh, the doctor gets, like, they, they, okay, what, what the hell was that weird, was that a hotel room or a TARDIS? The waiting room where they put the doctor's unconscious body and where Nissa hands him the orange juice with the crazy straw. Uh, I actually don't know. It's hard to tell because it's like Time Lord stuff, so it all kind of looks like a TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> they I, have the little round things. I yeah. think it's his TARDIS. I think they're mm-hmm. like, okay, just let him rest in there. Oh, oh right, right, own. right. They, okay. they, they do, but they take away the key so that like it's basically they convert his TARDIS into a jail cell, essentially. Yeah, that's interesting because now that I think about it, in episode one, there is a part where the Doctor like goes out into the hallway mm-hmm. in the TARDIS, yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. hears Nissa be like, "Doctor," and I'm like, "Whoa, I've never seen that ever." Yeah, yeah, you see a lot more of the TARDIS, I think, in the Fifth Doctor's era than any other era because mm-hmm. they um, all have rooms and they like hang out in their rooms and stuff. Yeah, I like it. I like I like the the idea of the TARDIS as almost like the X Men school. Yeah. Yeah, like there's or like Hogwarts, like there's rooms, there's reoccurring places. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like that, too. And yeah, I I really liked it was kind of I was watching this. I think the second episode and I was like, this is kind of everything that I've dreamed of. (laughs) (laughs) It's a it's a whole I've always just wanted a whole episode where they're on Gallifrey with Mm -hmm. the Time Lords going over stupid Time Lord arcane stuff. Oh, man. 
This is this is a pretty good one. In terms of Time Lord stuff, like most of the time, Time Lord stuff is super boring. Yes. I would say this might be. I mean, other than other than the stuff the Time Lord stuff in Trial of a Time Lord. Um, but like not all those stories are good, but the right. but the Time Lord stuff tends to be pretty uh, good in all of them. Yes. Yes. Um <laughs> Other than other than that stuff, um, taken in a vacuum, I would say this is probably the second best Time Lord story. Uh, uh, it, that's like in classic Who, opposite um, Deadly Assassin, yeah, which I, is I, easily I the best. That. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I would say I would say it's like it's like um, unless you want to take the last episode of War Games and count that as its own thing, um, but I don't know. I would say this is up there though. This is at least top five. Yeah. Um, maybe even top three uh Time Lord stuff. But like a lot of the Time Lord stuff is like super boring in a way that like w- makes you want to like crawl out of your skin. <laughs> so you got a good one as your as your first one, mm-hmm. I would say. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, I uh all of the it, it was kind of a trial. I mean the uh, all of him I I like that they sucked. I like that they, you know, the Time Lords aren't cool. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. They're definitely not. Um, and they're never depicted as cool. Really, ever. No. They're always depicted as lame old farts. Because I think that's why, like, <laughs> it's like, well, why would the Doctor have wanted to leave? Right. So every time he comes back, he's just like, oh, this again. Ugh, my hometown. Yeah. <laughs> These idiots. They never listen to me. Um, his relationship with the Time Lord Council was interesting, though, in this. I thought. Is this before or after he's president for a little while? This would have been after. After? Yeah. Right? Because that's fourth Doctor, isn't it? I can't remember. I, it must be. Yeah, I think it is. Um, no, this is good. I like the references to Romana. Mm-hmm. And um, Leela, Leela, yeah. Um, Speaking of bad Time Lord stories, I like all of that. Yeah. This is the one where we find out that uh, that Colin is is uh, T- Tegan's cousin. Yeah, right. Yeah, they Tegan. go to a whole ass airport. Right. <laughs> they do. They do. And Tegan comes off of that plane. And you're like, oh, right, because she's a she's a uh, you know like a, a stewardess. Stewardess. Yeah. Or what? What's the other flight attendant? Flight attendant. Yeah. She's a flight attendant. And uh, and then you find out that she actually got fired, um, and we don't know why. Uh, we just know that she did get fired because at first she was like, "Oh yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't work there anymore." But then uh, later, speci- specifically, she says she get she got sacked, mm-hmm. um, which suggests that she was fired. I guess she could have been like let go or like laid off, but I don't know. I don't remember the economy being particularly bad in the early eighties, so. <laughs> Um, I feel like she probably got fired for something. I don't know. How long was she gone? You know, I don't. Yeah, exactly. We don't know that either. Um, which means that she, we, we pointed this out. She paid for that flight to Amsterdam, which she's probably not used to doing. Yeah. Um, so that's the subplot is they're like on the hunt. They go to, they go back to the hostel. They find, they're like, where's my, where's my cousin? Yeah. They're just like on the hunt. And basically Tegan's the only person who believes, uh, Robin. 
because she's like, yeah, monsters. I know. I've seen it. Monsters are real. Yeah. And then the sentence gets carried out back on Gallifrey and the doctor is proven to be responsible for what's happening or guilty for what's happening with this creature trying to, you know, cross the arc of infinity and he gets gassed to death. Mm -hmm. He gets, he gets executed. It's it's funny because um, they're trying really hard. Colin Baker is trying his best to be intimidating, uh-huh. but he's just he's just he's not intimidating at all. He's just pompous and annoying. <laughs> um, it's big Javert energy. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's played Javert at some point. Hmm. Yeah, in like some stage, some version. Yeah, it. some <laughs> production of it. Um, I know all these classic Who guys are are big stage actors. Um, but uh, I also want to take this time to to talk about how underrated of a performer Peter Davison is, I think, as a doctor. He's really good. Yeah. There's great. a lot of stuff in this where he's just like, man, he is so good. Like, his era is not the best era, which I think is why he gets kind of forgotten a lot. But um, he's really good. And I wish he had better. I wish he had more great stories. Granted, he is one of the absolute best, if not the absolute best classic who story which we haven't covered yet mm-hmm. um and won't for a very long time but um other than that one all of them are like either like kind of good or middling or bad um and uh but he is always very very good and he's excellent in this story and uh i just kept i don't know just kept thinking about him i think it's watching it. i think it's because he's like so mild mannered most of the mm-hmm. time but like i like that his doctor is that way when forced like into situate like eric sayward situations you know where it's just like people yeah. with their faces melting off so right. he here he reminds me of all the classic who's i think he reminds me the most of 13 and that guy like, like, mild manner just decent mm-hmm. e- even temperament blonde yeah <laughs> earnest yeah one of my favorite uh one of my favorite doctor uniforms also mm. I I just really like it's just very well put together. Um, it's like the opposite of six the six doctors outfit, or even like the celery and mm-hmm. the sweater and the question marks. It all like fits. Yeah, it all it all yeah goes together in like a really nice way. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he's dead now. So anyway, R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> no more Doctor Who. No, no more Doctor Who. Who. Show's over. It's over. He was executed by the Time Lords. <laughs> Arc of Infinity Part Three. Written by Johnny Byrne. Directed by Ron Jones. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, January 11th, 1983. The Doctor awakes, his mind taken into the Time Lord Matrix. Lost in an ocean of pure, unbroken data, the Doctor is visited by the projection of the antimatter creature who reveals himself to be a renegade Time Lord. Tegan and Robin are captured inside of the crypt and brought to this renegade Time Lord's TARDIS. The creature uses Tegan to force the Doctor to obey him. His consciousness returns to his body on Gallifrey, and the Doctor reunites with Nyssa and the High Council. The Doctor's friend Heaton is revealed to be the one who stole the Doctor's biodata, and the renegade Time Lord is revealed to be Omega, pioneer of time travel and first of the Time Lords for now. Heaton is killed but Omega is able to seize control of the Time Lord Matrix and crosses dimensions. The doctor's floating in an ethereal plane. Oh, God, yeah. So I don't think it's... So, yeah, the, he he's in this, like, afterlife place where Omega is, like, interacting with him. 
And I don't think I'm exaggerating in when I in the it, I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in the show. <laughs> Isn't he he's, in the Matrix? He's just kind of he's doing. Yeah. And he looks like he's in the Matrix chair. Yeah. 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 But yeah, he's in, he's inside the Time Lord Matrix. That's right. And Omega's trying to contact him. And uh, is this is this where he brings um, where like he shows he's captured. He captures Tegan mm-hmm. and. um robin at some point yeah they both get zapped because they go down to the they're down yeah they go, go down, down to the crypt to like clean up oh my god have we talked about the chicken alien thing not yet yeah oh so the the chicken there's so again <laughs> the kind of a, a reoccurring motif omega has like a herald omega has like a right hand mm-hmm. and it's that you see it in shadow at first it it steps out of the shadow of the crypt mm-hmm. and appears to to i think yeah this uh tegan and robin yeah and it, yeah, it looks like a chicken. It kind of, at first I was really excited because I thought it was the alligators that we were talking about last oh, week. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, it looks like, it looks like Big Bird if you plucked all of his feathers. Yeah. And he has like five eyes or something. Yeah. yeah like, it's really scary. Yeah, like first, like first straps Gexies. Yeah. yeah. Horrifying. Truly. I really like how Omega's eyes light up as it talks. Oh, yeah. Kind of like a Dalek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh the 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 bird thing the chicken thing though um apparently they like had all these bright ideas for it and then uh handed it to the special effects crew and they just whipped that out and they were like okay well this is a failure but we can't afford to make another one so this is what we're getting uh because like apparently they didn't they they pushed all the way and just finish the whole thing instead of like showing it to them in steps they just went from concept to full execution (laughs) and then that's what it was and they were like oh this this sucks this is bad (laughs) Um, and that's why they tried to keep it in silhouette as much as possible because they were like embarrassed by it i love it it's so silly yeah it is really silly (laughs) and uh with the doctor convulsing away in a digital afterlife (laughs) Nissa has to in he she enlists the help of uh, a non time lord Gallifrey and Damon, mm-hmm. and they're kind of they go on the mist. They're trying to prove the doctor's innocence, and like they they do some business where they like, what well, they find his matrix code printed out to show that someone had to send it to Omega. Mm-hmm. Some stuff. It's yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of running back and forth in this one. And also, this is really trigger happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's a gun lover in this story. I thought she just shot a Time Lord guard, but then he was like, oh, he was like stunned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I think she had it all, always set to stun, but even still, um, yeah, for sure. it was uh, it was a lot of, lot of, lot of gunfire. It, it's a gun heavy episode. It is. Just, all lasers, though. Yeah. Laser all lasers, guns, yeah. for sure. Yeah, which is good. But is this the one where we're, we're so the whole time Omega has had a conspirator that is a Time Lord, mm-hmm. but we don't know who it is. Is this the one where we find out who it is? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Michael Go. Yeah, it's Michael Go. Surprise. <laughs> Alfred's evil. <laughs> he's a traitor to the time and they i we, we haven't been mentioning this but they really milk it where it's like i hate all of you except my good friend michael goff yeah the whole time he'd never hurt me you're right i wouldn't he'd never hurt anyone <laughs> i like you most of all you're my favorite <laughs> fishy swasser <laughs> yeah it's cold it's fishy swasser it's, it's supposed to be cold <laughs> Uh, the doctor finds out that it's Michael Go. Mm-hmm. Michael Go tells the doctor that it's Omega. He's like, and his his mindset is like, he's the okay. So I'm very again to bring up Timeless Children again. He was like, 
Omega was the first of us. He gave us the gift of time travel or, and, and we betrayed him mm-hmm. and sent him away mm-hmm. to another universe. And I'm going to repay him. We owe that creature. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, oh, wow, is this now retcon? Because now we know that the Omega is not the first, the, the person to give Gallifreyans the gift of time travel. That was the timeless child, a.k.a. the doctor. Mm. I thought the doctor was regeneration. So Omega would still be time travel, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Great. Cool. Fixed. Nice. <laughs> so anyway, Alfred gets iced. Yeah, like really unceremoniously. Yeah. Um, iced, banished to uh, uh, being someone's butler for the rest of his life. In another universe. In another universe. Mr. Wayne. Um, <laughs> where he will betray Alf- uh, Batman's trust by telling Vicky Vale where the Batcave is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Omega gains control of the Matrix. Rut row. Dun dun. Rut row indeed. Yeah. That's that. That's the that on that. Arc of Infinity, Part 4. Written by Johnny Byrne. Directed by Ron Jones. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, January 12th, 1983. The Doctor and Nyssa reunite with Tegan and take a rip-roaring tour through Amsterdam as they chase after Omega who was able to temporarily take form of the Doctor wearing a blue jumpsuit. Eventually, Omega's flesh deteriorates, and the Doctor sends the Primordial Time Lord back to the universe of antimatter. With her cousin safe and recovering in a Dutch general hospital, and her job as a flight attendant at an end, Tegan decides to join the Doctor as a companion once more. The Doctor very quickly gets... Well, the, so the... Omega enters our world in Colin Baker's, not in Peter, in Peter David's body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, Nissa and the Doctor are like roaming around Amsterdam because apparently Amsterdam is the only place oh, where yeah. you can. So the Doctor tells the Time Lord Council, it's like, hey, I know Nissa told me where he, I know that he's on Earth because he has uh, Nissa, Tegan. Right. I know that he's on Amsterdam <laughs> because they go back to the Matrix. Yeah. And they're both in the Matrix chair. Where they and it's yeah, so they go back to Earth and they have to like go through every single hotel or brothel, hostel, hostel, not a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> That's where everyone thought Tegan was from, but <laughs> she wasn't actually. So. <laughs> Poor Tegan. Yeah. So they're like chasing uh, Omega through the streets of Amsterdam for mm-hmm. a good a good portion of the episode. I want to say, yeah, a um, lot of lot of running around. I like seeing P- uh, Peter Davison as o- Omega. I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, him turning into a frog face over the course of several runs. Um, <laughs> just like every time you cut back to him, like more of his face is like frog like, yeah, r- like scaly. As soon as uh, Omega apparates into our dimension the doctor's like look like it's not permanent you're going to he's like no i'm gonna listen to you <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of like it, it really is just like the plot just sort of gets away from o- omega like that's kind of it like they don't defeat omega 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 was just like man i really uh took this as far as i could huh oh well and it just kind of fails <laughs> like loki in the avengers <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, he just sort of fails. Not from like, he doesn't get outsmarted or anything. He just fails. Yeah, the doctor tells him what's going to happen. Omega doesn't listen, mm-hmm. and then it just happens. Yeah. Uh, that's something you don't see very often. Um, the uh, At one point, the fake doctor, Omega as the doctor, kills a random groundskeeper. 
and steals his like jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott remarked that how how good Pete David is like oh that kind of like becomes him like he looks looks like a cool outfit for him. And then we were like oh a doctor should have like a jumpsuit as a co- as a costume. And we we're yeah. like oh why isn't that Thirteen's costume? Yeah, because oh. she's like because she's like gadget yeah, and rescue rangers. Yeah. You know she's like a tinkerer. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. The goggles? fact that the do- the oh hell yeah uh, yeah. The fact that the the doctor has never had like a jumpsuit as their outfit is actually feels weird in retrospect. Does it feels weird that that hasn't happened yet? Does the like the orange astronaut jumpsuit count? That like oh hell yeah! <laughs> I mean that's not like a uniform. No, but it's, like it, it, it's how, an action how many figure doctors for sure. have yeah. worn that thing, dude? Three, right? I've, ten, ten, eleven, and twelve. It must be. Or or is it just ten and twelve? I think it's just ten and twelve. Okay. I for sure think of it as like a 10. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But 12 wears it in an episode and it was like remarkable because it's like, oh, it's the same yeah, astronaut yeah, outfit. Yeah. 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 Like, ah. yeah. So maybe it's just 10 and 12, but. I can't picture 11... Matt Smith in that thing. No. I guess he, I can't. He has either. like the cowboy hat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the fedora and the fez. Yeah. The fedora and the fez. The, no, Stetson. The Stetson and the fez. But yeah, um, it kind of just ends and the doctor and Tegan and Nissa have like a fun reunion mm-hmm. where Tegan's like, and I'm back, by the way. And the doctor has like a really weird reaction to it. <laughs> he thought he escaped right? her. He's yeah. just like, oh, how he, about that? <laughs> he hates Tegan. Remind me why. She's annoying. All she does is complain. Um, like in, in the previous iteration of her, I guess when they brought her back, they wanted to give the nine months because apparently the actress who plays Tegan was like tired of being annoying. And she was like, can I like go away for a while and then come back having matured a little Good bit? And they're her. like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, awesome. sure. Her so so cute. she's like more mature now. Yeah. Yeah. Hence like, the haircut. She I got like a new haircut. haircut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, it's got noticed the shout out to uh, to the actress playing uh, Tegan for uh, having all episode of running through the cobblestone streets of Amsterdam in heels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keeping up with the doctor who's wearing trainers. Mm-hmm. Um. Quite impressive, honestly. Like uh, Bri- Bri- uh, Bryce Dallas Howard level of impressive, mm-hmm. <laughs> sure impressive use of running in heels. The Howard Award for being forced to do uncomfortable and practical things in an action movie. Right, right, exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, the tiger, the 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 Tegan's back, but the Doctor is not into it. He's like, great, great. Fantastic. Uh, I always remembered this as being the introduction of Nissa's new outfit, but I it's not. Um, I guess that comes later. Her new outfit? Right. Doesn't Nissa get a, a, a second outfit? Isn't she wear like a skirt thing at some point? Um, She's introduced and like she has like the poofy shoulder pads with like the little fairy skirt. And then she like oh. ditches the skirt after the story. And then she's like in a different okay. outfit when she leaves. But right. That's yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Okay. Is that outfit just in that story I that she leaves in? I think so. I don't remember. OK, for some reason, because I thought it was because it because it's a new season. I thought we were going to get her new outfit because I just think her outfit is just so stupid. Yeah, no, she's in that like velour jumpsuit for like ever. It's terrible. <laughs> the velour jumpsuit with the massive pointy uh, shoulders. Yeah. I like the I like the puffy shoulders. I miss her. <laughs> yeah. little, she had like a little um, like a pastel tutu thing. Like when, yes. when he first meets her, it added a little more personality. Yeah. To you know it. what I like about Nissa? Like everything you're saying and everything that I have like visual reference for, she has a very like witchy 
mm. like quality to her mm-hmm. that I think separates her from a lot of companions of this era. Yeah. That sometimes aren't given a lot to do. Right. And not just her look, but like her personality mm-hmm. is also like, I understand everything that's going on. I am on your level, doctor. Like you can any you can explain anything to me and I'll get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a lot of this episode was the doctor being, you know, stuck in a digital afterlife or incapacitated and or whatever. And and Nissa running around, it didn't feel like the episode was spinning wheels Mm -hmm. or like just strapping her to a bomb. It felt like she was engaging into the mystery and figuring Mm -hmm. out more about this like culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, I like that. Yeah, Um, I I dug this one. If you're a new who whovian like me and you're kind of like have been like i really want like a deep dive into like time lords and gallifrey stuff i think this is like a really fun place to start it's pretty good yeah i think it's um i think it gets a little too tangled up in itself um with like Mm -hmm. the matrix Mm -hmm. stuff um Mm -hmm. but yeah watching this without an introduction to the well i guess i guess it was in timeless children so people have a vague understanding of what the matrix is it helped me it helped me like understand and it right. kind of it, it paired really well with timeless children for me because mm-hmm. the thing that. about the matrix is you can't be told what the matrix is yeah you have yeah. to experience <laughs> the matrix <laughs> you have to see it for yourself <laughs> that has to happen there has to be like a youtube cut of him in the matrix chair in this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> I hope so. I hope the Wachowskis watched this story or watched one of these classic Doctor Who stories with the Matrix and was like, hmm, the Matrix. Look how weird he's sitting. Yes. Yeah. That would be good. Uh, Cass, what are your overall thoughts on on this particular story? I couldn't remember what this one was until like the, the hitchhikers were walking around Amsterdam and I was like, oh, yeah, it's the one where they're in Amsterdam. So I guess, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I like Colin Baker. <laughs> I forgot he was in this, too. So he showed up and I was just like, oh, it's our boy. So, <laughs> yeah, he has no conclusion. No, his no, character. No. He just stops being mm-hmm. in it at a certain point. <laughs> um, Yeah, I like this one. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it's I think it's on the on the top half of Peter Davidson's stories in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's good. It's you know it it's middling in parts, but um, you know I think the Time Lords have like cool stuff to do. Uh, I like the 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 sort of like whodunit plot. I think that's kind of fun. Um, and you know, as repetitive as it is seeing them run around Amsterdam over like for like five straight minutes. Um, it's also fun at the same time. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. You're in Amsterdam. You want to shoot a bunch of Amsterdam stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally yeah. understandable. <laughs> uh, and it kind of rules. I don't know. I think it's fun. I, I like it. I love, Oh, one thing we didn't mention in the last episode is that weird moment where Omega as, as Peter Davison um, in the turtleneck and the jumpsuit. Oh my God, just chilling finds, like, a, with like the, yeah, like a little puppet show yeah. thing. Yeah. And he's just watching it with a smile on his face like, oh, this is entertaining. I like this. <laughs> oh, no, my hands. No, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes on the run. Um, and he keeps trying to hide and people see him and scream. And that's how they know where he is. <laughs> they just keep following the, the terrified Amsterdamians. <laughs> whatever. whatever you call, what do you call Amsterdam people? Amsterdams? <laughs> Amsterdamians? I don't know. A- 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 Amsterdames? Amsterdames. <laughs> There's a part the where Danish. they- A lot of Amsterdam screaming. <laughs> there's a part at the end- Oh, yeah. There's a part at the end where the doctor's like, oh, we lost him. And his, his like strategy is like, I know exactly where you are. And then he runs again. Yeah. And you're like, ah, yeah, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> it's pretty good. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in this one. It's not the not the driest episode we've covered this season mm-hmm. for sure. Looking at you, sensorites. Yeah, I'll never stop looking at you. Except I never have to look at you again, which is a plus. Um. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what's what's next up with uh, the with the big fluffy cat doctor Colin Baker? So, uh, if with the sixth doctor we begin our uh, the final season of the sixth doctor, which is the all encompassing trial of a time lord. Oh snap! Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so uh, the show was canceled at the end of the last season, and then uncanceled, and now we get uh, trial of a time lord part one, the mysterious planet, written by Robert Holmes. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to start this saga. Oh man, it's fun! It's fun, and one of the things that I think Nick, you're going to be really impressed by, is the opening sequence of this story starts with the absolute coolest model shot in Classic Who. Oh, I'm excited! It is expensive. It looks (laughs) expensive. I mean, I love a model. They're trying to. um, They were trying to reach a Star Wars level Mm -hmm. in terms of budget. And Star Wars and uh, Next Generation um, had both sort of like started going and they're like, we are behind. We need to catch up. And so they threw a bunch of money into this model shot um, and it it rules. Uh, And it's the last time that they ever do something that cool in Classic (laughs) Great. Um, But yeah, so the, the Trial of a Time Lord Part One, The Mysterious Planet is what we're covering in the uh, next episode of The Doctor's Companion. In the meantime, go check out DuelingGenre.com slash support, uh, our Patreon page where uh, you can become a patron. And if we hit our 100 patron goal, uh, we'll be able to do a bonus show that will be voted on by our patrons. And one of those possibilities is a Doctor's Companion spinoff show where we would cover uh, things like Torchwood and uh, the Sarah Jane Adventures, as well as um, some of the Big Finish audio spinoffs. Uh, and that would be uh, part of the main feed of the Doctor's Companion um, for as long as we're at that level on uh, Patreon. So um, that would be for everybody. So everybody would get to enjoy that spinoff, uh, that, that spinoff series um, of uh, the Doctor's Companion. Even so if that's... Bogans. Yeah, if that's something that you want, um, then uh, go check out our Patreon page, DuelingGenre.com slash support. Become a Patreon supporter of Dueling Genre and uh, help us get that bonus podcast going. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, or not the meantime, actually, until next time, uh, (laughs) we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.